As we get started this morning and prepare to look into God's word, won't you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, this morning as as we come together to have a conversation from what you want to show us out of our word, out of your word, allow us to see what you would have us engage deeply at a heart level. That as we prepare to do that, we realize that, again, in a room this size, we are all over the map. And so wherever we are, however we are feeling this morning, I just want to give that to you so that in, in this conversation that, that we are about to have, that we would allow ourselves to be confronted by your word that we would allow ourselves to respond to, to what you want. That we realize that, that, that if we are followers of Jesus, what that means is that, that full forgiveness and full acceptance and full love, that that's ours. And if we're not following Christ, that those things are available to us today that the Holy Spirit is present. The Holy Spirit is present within us. And so that that this morning as we come to your word, we we can be honest with what is truly going on in our hearts, how we are feeling. We can bring that to you. And so give us wisdom on, on how to respond to your word, to your work that is ongoing within us. And so we give all of, of, of this morning and this conversation out of your word that we're about to have. We give it all to you. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So this morning we are, are diving back into, into this conversation coming out of 1 John. And this morning we are going to talk about obedience. Now, for some of you, you're thinking, man, Brian, if I knew that you were going to talk about obedience, I would not have come this morning. But don't worry, it's going to be good, I promise you that. We're going to talk about obedience through the, through the filter, through the lens of this verse. It's 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, that says, Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Anybody want to admit that, that, that you struggle with this verse? Anybody want to admit that there are times where God's commandments, they, they feel burdensome. They feel difficult. They feel hard. I see, I see a few hands peeking up, right? We're being a little bit shy this morning, but that's okay, right? Because I'll for sure own that. Right? We've got the truth of this verse, yet, yet oftentimes our experience does not seem to match up to this truth. Right? My guess is that most of us in this room feel that way. And so the question becomes then, then why, why, why does keeping God's commandments, why, why does that feel difficult? And so if we leave this discussion in the abstract and talk about, about obedience in theory only... Oh, John's not going to let us get away with that, right? John, John's going to talk about obedience, but he's specifically tying that call to, to obedience to the call to truly love those that are around us. 
See, the way that I said it, if you were here two weeks ago, the way that I said it then was that, that for as complicated as 1 John can seem, and honestly, we've got one of those passages this morning that seems complicated. But for as complicated as 1 John can seem, really John has been giving us three ideas that he's been feeding us over and over and over again on repeat. And those ideas are know the real Jesus. And and knowing the real Jesus will make itself real in obedience and obedience will make itself real in love. If you've been here for any of our prior conversations coming out of 1 John, every single one of those conversations have touched on at least one of these ideas. And in our scripture for this morning, it's 1 John chapter 5, verses 1 through 12, John is going to actually drop all three of these ideas on us. And so while it would be easy for us to leave a, a discussion about obedience in the abstract to talk about what it means to obey in theory, First John is going to, going to tie obedience to the call to truly love those that are around us. So I want us to, to make this real, right? So as we talk about obedience in general, but, but our need to obey this call to love specifically, if we go back to where we ended Last week with Pastor Corby, our passage from last week ended with, with 1 John chapter 4, verse 21, which says, And he, God, has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. So uh, we have a command that we are called to obey, a command to love. But we need to make this real for us. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to to right now picture in your mind someone that you have a hard time loving, right? Don't call out the name in case that person is sitting next to you, right? But I want you to picture in your mind someone that you have a hard time loving. Somebody who gets under your skin, somebody who who maybe you are, are holding something against, someone who annoys you. I want you to actually picture that person in your mind. Got it? All right, again, I don't want to know who it is, but did did that person's name, did that picture come quickly for you? If that's you, let me see your hand. All right, lots of hands going up. Some of us have to work on that one, but for some of us, bam, we got that name.
have me here today, and, and I'm not sick. I never am free. You know, I just, I watched this car just come straight into, um, this bus came straight into our car, and I, they allow me my just swift, enter in at near the cornfield, miss that tra traffic sign, miss the lamppost, and able to just come back for church. Wow. I just, you know, that's real as you, as you speak, you know, and I'm standing here because God has me to share that today this morning. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Frederick. That's right. That's right. So obviously not a planned element in where we're going this morning, right? But that's, that's the real kind of stuff. I mean, honestly, I've been saying this a lot lately, but sometimes church for me can feel like this treadmill that we jump onto and it's three songs and somebody talking in a song and let's get out of here, but we serve a real God. who loves us beyond our wildest imaginations and we sit here and we come and we do our thing and every single one of us is wrestling with stuff in our hearts. And the only answer to that bad news is the good news that is ours because of God has, how, how God has loved us through Christ. Whether it's, it's crazy car story getting getting us to church on a Sunday morning are the thousands of different ways that plays out in our lives. God meets our deepest needs, whatever they might be, exactly where we're going to go this morning. So thank you for sharing that, Frederick. So as you have in mind that person, that God is calling you to love, and man, it's hard, right? We've got this, this, this call to love, this call to obey. But do you realize that when it comes to obedience, there's actually four different kinds of people? Again, I'm, I'm, I'm taking these categories from a, from a professor at the seminary, the School of Theology out at Biola. Right? And so my question is, in these four categories, when it comes to obedience, what kind of person are you? Right? Are you the kind of person that you do not want to do what is right? right? So as you think about that person who annoys you, you're actually looking around this room going, where are they? Because as soon as I see them, I'm going to walk up to them and I'm going to slug them in the face. Right? If that's you, you're, you're a category one kind of person. My guess, though, is lots of us are living in category two and category three, right? You want to do what is right, but you don't. At some level, you want to love that person, but when you see them, something just happens and you lose it. Maybe you're a category three kind of person, right? You want to do what is right, and you have some success in that, but there is no joy in doing what is right. There's, there's no joy in that for you. Right? And, and oftentimes, this is where we begin when it comes to obedience. Right? You, might even, you might even memorize the verse that we just looked at from, from Corby last week. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Maybe you've memorized that, and you're going through life saying, there's that person. Keep it together. John says, I've got to love this knucklehead. Keep it together. 
But what happens when that person's annex reach new heights of nonsense? You lose it. Why? Because your grit and your determination and your resolve will only get you so far. Category four, you want to do what is right and you find joy in doing what is right. Guess what? John's vision for you is that you are a category four kind of person. That The category four is where you make your home. When it comes to his call to love, when it comes to, to the call to obey anything that we see coming out of scripture. And to see that this morning, let's jump into our passage, 1 John We'll start where we left off last week. 1 John chapter 4, verse 21. And he, God, has given us this command. Those who, who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Right? So, so there's that call to love. John goes on. Now we're in chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. So, so there's love. Verse 2, we know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Right? Love and obedience. So John continues with obedience into verse 3. Loving God means keeping his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Right? So, so the, the benefit of obedience is victory. But it's, it's a victory and obedience that we will only know as we are connected to God. And to come back to that point in a few moments. And now John is going to jump back to knowing this real Jesus. Again, this is where, where John has, has started back in John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, where John has said, I am proclaiming to you the Christ that I myself have experienced. The, the, the Jesus that, that I saw, I witnessed firsthand, eyewitness account. John's going to add some additional witnesses to his own proclamation of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Verse 6, and Jesus Christ was revealed as God's only son by his baptism in water and by shedding his blood on the cross, not by water only, but by water and blood. And the spirit who is truth confirms it with his testimony. So we have these three witnesses, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and all three agree. So, so John adds to, to his own claims about Christ. He, he, he cites Jesus' baptism where, where God declares in an audible voice about Jesus, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. You can read that story in Matthew chapter 3. John cites the death, the burial, the resurrection. That's this reference to blood. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus, which is Christ's own ultimate statement about his identity and his mission. And lastly, John cites the Holy Spirit, who is the one who continually points to Christ. You can read about that in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 26, chapter 15, verse 26, chapter 16, verses 14 and 15. And so John has just cited, really, the, the combined testimony of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and wants us to know that, that their testimony is going to outweigh any other testimony that's out there. Verse 9, since we believe human testimony, surely we can believe the greater testimony that comes from God. 
And God has testified about his son. All who believe in the son of God know in their hearts that this testimony is true. Those who don't believe this are actually calling God a liar because they don't believe what God has testified about his son. And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have God's son does not have life. So, so what John has done in this passage is, is he's given us all three of his big ideas. Right? He simply come at those ideas. If I can have that next slide, Kevin. He simply come at those ideas in reverse order. John has started with love. He's worked his way to obedience, and then he's worked his way to knowing the real Jesus. And he's ended this passage in verses 11 and 12 by telling us that, that the payoff to this equation, to this kind of life, is eternal life, forever life. But it's also a joyful life, a full life in the here and the now. And so if we go back to that question that I asked you earlier, when it comes to obedience, what kind of person are you? I said that that John's vision for you is that you live in that last category. That's where John wants you to be. When When it comes to his call to love, when it comes to his call to obey anything that we see in Scripture... When it comes to to that kind of obedience, you are going to need something more than your resolve and your good intentions. The thing that you're going to need is a new kind of heart. In the Bible, the heart is the language that's used, meaning the core of who you are, the center of who you are. You are going to need a new heart from which love flows more and more. And to become that kind of person you are going to need a power. A power that that is far greater than than your own capacity. Far greater than any power that you possess to renovate your heart, to shape your heart, to form you into the kind of person from which love flows more and more. And as you become that kind of person, guess what you find to be true? 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. God's commandments are not burdensome. Right? Because they, they, they are naturally flowing out of your heart. Now, there are literally 20 conversations that we could have regarding what we're talking about this morning. You can actually get a graduate level degree in what we're talking about this morning. And so I know that we are only scratching the surface on this. Right? But let's start with the big question then. How do you become that kind of person? The kind of person whose knee-jerk reaction isn't to blow up when that person that I've asked you to picture, when that person walks into the room. And this applies to anything that we struggle to obey. Anything in which we find obedience difficult, hard, or burdensome. How do you become the kind of person who obeys more and more from the heart? That person that I've asked you to picture this morning. That person that you have a hard time loving. The next time that you find yourself losing it with that person. 
The next time you find yourself getting annoyed or talking behind their back about them or, or the many hundreds of different kind of ways that we fail to love those around us. The next time that, that you fail to love, rather than simply saying, man, I missed the mark again, will you allow yourself to be curious enough as to what is going on inside of you, as to what is going on inside of your heart. In the book of Proverbs, Proverbs, we see this. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. Right? The treasury is the stuff that you have stored up inside. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Right? The things that we do, our doing wrong, our disobedience, our not loving those around us, that behavior comes from someplace. And Jesus is saying that your behavior comes out of your heart, comes out of the core of who you are. Yet in the book of Ezekiel, we see this promise. A promise about, about God's work, the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of those who have put their trust in him. This ongoing renovation project where the Holy Spirit is, if you've placed your trust in Christ, where the Holy Spirit is transforming your heart, is transforming you from the inside out. Ezekiel 36. And I, God, will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you, pay attention to this, so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. It's exactly what John is getting at in 1 John 5, verse 3. John is inviting you to allow the Holy Spirit to, to rewrite the code of your heart because that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. John is inviting you to allow the Holy Spirit to, to shape your heart, to do, to do work in your heart so that you look more and more like Jesus who is the standard bar none of what it means to truly love. So the next time that you fail to love, rather than simply saying, man, I missed the mark again, will you allow yourself to be curious as to what is happening inside of your heart? Because most likely, your failure to love is just the tip of the iceberg. In that the thing that you can see Right, The tip of the iceberg, that, that unloving posture, your failure to love comes from someplace. It comes from your heart. And there is a whole lot of stuff going on in your heart. There's a whole lot of stuff going on below the waterline. So if you go back to that person who drives you insane, who you find hard to love, what is it that is going on inside of you? Maybe they are exposing your hard, hard heart. Maybe they, they are, are, are exposing your need for respect, your need to be right, 
And when you don't get that, you feel threatened. Maybe they threaten your mistaken belief that you should have a trouble-free life. Maybe they threaten your belief that things should go your way. Maybe they threaten your belief that, that you should always have things under your control. Maybe that person has, has hurt you deeply in the past and now you are carrying the weight and the sharp edges of that hurt inside of you. There are any number of reasons that could lie underneath the waterline of an unloving posture. So the question becomes, when you fail to love that person that I asked you to bring to mind a few moments ago, what is going on? Why is your reaction to that person playing out in the unloving way that it does? So if we zoom out, right, the same dynamic is happening anytime that we have disobedience in our lives. There is always something more going on. And as you explore that something more, as you start to, to look below the waterline, what you tend to find is a need. Something that you need or something that, that you think that you need, a need that is not being met, and so you take matters into your own hands. If we zoom back into love, that is so often where that unloving action, that unloving thought, that unloving word, that unloving attitude, that's where that comes from. And so if I'm, if I'm going to become the kind of person depicted by John in verse 3 of our text, if, if I'm going to become the kind of person for whom God's commandments, any commandments, but we're talking specifically about love this morning, are not burdensome, then I am going to have to know which Frederick found out this morning. I am going to have to truly know that, that, that those, those deepest needs are being met. That inside our hearts, that, that those deepest needs that are driving my unloving behavior, I'm going to have to know that my deepest needs are being met and have been met. And this is the reason that John is going to always take us back to Jesus. This is the reason that John is going to center us on Christ. Because it is only Christ who meets all of your deepest needs with deepest love. It's only God who can take that love deep into your heart. You do not have the power to love yourself enough. It's only God who can take that love deep into your heart to convince you that your deepest needs that are driving you from beneath the waterline, that, that those deepest needs are being met. Your need for security, your need to be safe, your need for significance, your need to be valued, your need to matter, your need to be loved. You will only ever find those needs met truly and fully in Christ. And that's why John ends this passage depicting life, eternal life 
and full, abundant, joyful life in verses 11 and 12 of our passage. And so here's what I want you to do with what we're talking about today. When it comes to that person that you have have brought to mind, that person that you are, are having a hard time loving, I want you to recognize the iceberg. That, that your unloving posture toward that person is coming from someplace. There is something going on in your heart. Secondly, in regards to that person in that situation, will you pray David's prayer coming out of Psalm 139? God, search me. God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This morning, we've talked a lot about God, but I want us now to talk to God. I'm going to give you a few seconds here in just a few moments, but even into this next week, will you spend time actually talking to God in honesty? Actually listening to God in honesty about what is going on in your heart when it comes to that person. Will you pray, God, what do you want me to see when it comes to that person? What do you want me to see about my heart? God, when it comes to that person, what do you want me to see about you? And then thirdly, God, because you lead in the way everlasting, what are you inviting me to do with what you are showing me? If we can hop back to that prior slide. We're going to end by simply praying. I'm going to give you a few moments of silence to start working through these questions. God, that person that you've brought to mind, what do you want me to see about my heart? God, what do you want me to see about you? Let's pray. realize that I'm only getting giving you a few moments of time here I'm going to actually take these questions and put them up on our Facebook page so if you want these those will be there but this week I dare you I actually dare you to keep praying this Again, there's, there's 20 conversations that could come out of this, and our time is short this morning. But to become that First John chapter 5, verse 3 kind of person, if you want help in navigating this in your life, because our time is so short, and I say this in all sincerity, if you want help in navigating this in your life, reach out to me. This morning, I'll be down front after we close or someplace here out in 
the hallway, or if you, you can't catch me, then my contact information is in the back of the bulletin. But for me, I want you to know that I would count it both an honor and a privilege to talk with you about what we've discussed this morning. Next Sunday is Easter. And as we get ready for Easter, let's remember all that God has done for us through Jesus. That we might walk in the way everlasting. Let's sing about how how God has loved us through Christ, how God has met our deepest needs through Jesus. Let's sing.